this scripture that I'm going to read, I was reminded of children, probably because I'm looking at Emerson and Finley and Mara holding Reed here. And my kids are usually in the front. They're at home with Grammy right now. But I'm reminded of how when our children need us and they run to us, they run to our arms and they feel comforted by our love. And that is just what we have in our Father in heaven, right? And this, this scripture that I'm going to read comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul's talking about his vision and his thorn, the thorn in his flesh. And he all, when you get a splinter, you just really dig so hard for it. And I'm like, I will not stop until I get that splinter out. <laughs> That's how I am. But he's talking about something just a little bit different with this thorn in his flesh. And this is the answer that he receives when he asks that it be taken away from him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the upside down kingdom that we talk about all the time because the message that the world's gonna tell you is you're enough, you can do this, be motivated, just find this. It's all about self and glorifying self and boosting yourself. And that's not what we read about in this book. <laughs> that is not the way of our Messiah. It's upside down because it's when you're weak, that's when his power can come in and he gets the glory and he gets the credit. Not me because I listened every morning to this 30 minute motivational speech and go me, self, self, self. It's all glory to him. And so I read this and I say like, okay, so we have weaknesses and insults and hardships, persecutions. We've all got that going on in life, but he gets the glory when we say, yeah, this, this doesn't make sense. I shouldn't be standing here. 
but this is all because of him and this is all because of his grace. All the glory back to Jesus because we need him. So we're gonna sing, Jesus, I need you. And I just wanna challenge you and encourage you. Do you need him? I know that you need him. Do you know that you need him? If not, I just, can I open these altars? You, you can come here anytime. You can sit down anytime. You can kneel at your seat anytime in this humble state before the Father. We need you. I am too weak. Not, I am enough. I am too weak and I need him to come in and fill me with his grace and his mercy and his love.
almighty and everlasting God. You have given to us your servant's grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory. O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God forever and ever. Amen. Special day. And as we remember those who've uh, passed, not just this year, but in past years, and and uh, we're praying for all you folks as um, you go through the, the grieving process. You, you ever been wrong? I, I've heard of people being wrong. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, all of us have been wrong, haven't we? And uh, probably more often than we, we want to admit. Um, I, I, Terry and I, several years ago, were going to a visitation, a viewing of someone who had passed. And, and we're, we're at the funeral home, and we're looking. We don't see any people, anybody we know, or you know. But you know, we're still, you know, you're still grieving with everyone. And it was about 30 minutes later we realized we were at the wrong funeral home and uh, the wrong visitation. You know that that happens when we're wrong. Um, we find ourselves in places we don't want to be, <laughs> and that uh, happens often. You know, we, we 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 misjudge people, we misjudge circumstances. And sometimes those misjudgments are more serious than others. I read an article on, on the internet this past week about a, a flight in March of 2019, an American Airlines flight that left London for Germany. Uh, but they filed the wrong plans. And because they filed the wrong plans and the, all the air traffic control was looking at these wrong plans and they were going by that guidance, they ended up not in Germany but Scotland, uh, 500 miles away. And, and sometimes life can feel like that. Anybody ever, everybody experienced that? That you've made wrong judgments, wrong decisions, and all of a sudden you're 500 miles away from where you intended to be. And so being wrong can have dire um, circumstances, can have, can have dire consequences on our present, uh, where we are. Uh, being wrong can have dire, um, dire consequences on where we end up. Uh, being wrong can damage relationships. Anybody ever have a relationship damaged just simply because of wrong information? It, it can affect our finances. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody ever make a bad financial decision, right? Yeah, all of us have made bad financial decisions. Being wrong can affect our health. It can affect every aspect of our life. And so today we're going to begin a study in 1 Thessalonians. It's a short book. It's five chapters long, and, and we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians all summer long. And I'd encourage you sometime this week just to take the time just to read entirely through 1 Thessalonians. Just begin to digest it and, and read it. But, but we're going to start in chapter 4 <laughs> for this Memorial Day Sunday because Paul wants us as believers to have a correct understanding, a correct perspective as far as death, and particularly those who have died in the Lord. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, 
so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who, who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. But the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, we've just seen several families that have, that have experienced the separation that comes from death. And, and in this room, I, I would venture to guess that, that everyone in this room has been touched by a family member that's passed away. And, and death is this great unknown that, that, that you know, we, we don't have a lot of understanding really of, of death in, in this life. And Paul's saying, particularly with those who've fallen asleep in Jesus, he's saying, yeah, mourn, but mourn differently. You know, I appreciate the, the leeway that, that Paul gives us there. He, he doesn't say, hey, don't, don't mourn, but Paul says, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to grieve. Grief is part of life, that, that we have grief, but we grieve in a different way. But central to this passage is this concept of biblical hope. It's a big concept for, for believers, you know, faith, hope, and love. Biblical hope is a significant part of what it means to be Christian. And biblical hope is more than wishful thinking. Uh, biblical hope is more than just a feeling. Biblical hope is something more than that. Now, the translation I use says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I like the NIV here. If you read it, it says, I don't want you to be ignorant, okay? Look at your neighbor and tell them, I don't want you to be ignorant, right? Tell them right now, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's going to become our new vision statement. We don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, biblical hope is not simply based on feelings, but on correct understanding. That Paul is wanting us to see that, that when we have hope, it's not just something that's based on feelings, but it's based on things that we believe and we know. Now, in Greek philosophy at the time Paul wrote this letter, that they believed in hope. They believed hope was this natural human expression, that everyone had hopes and dreams. But these hopes were a projection of their own subjective possibilities, what they could do. I believe I can, and it's based on what they could do. But biblical hope is different. It's not subjective. It's not based on me and what I think I can do. But biblical hope is objective. The Lexham Bible Dictionary says this, biblical hope is based on God and his redemptive acts as they culminate in the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That'd be a good time for an amen, right? That's biblical hope. It's not based on me. It's based on God. 
And in the passage that we read, early Christians are concerned about their loved ones. Their loved ones have passed on, and, and, and what's, what's going on with them? And, and Paul says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> those of us who've lost loved ones, and everybody in this room has lost loved ones, these are hopeful words. Paul's saying you can have hope because God raised Jesus from the dead. Your confidence is not in yourself, but it's in the God who is able to raise the dead to life. Those of you who've lost loved ones this year and in past years, we have hope in our, in, not in ourselves, but in God. Now, over the past few years, i got to tell you, there's been a lot of things that we've went through as a church. Uh, there's been a lot of struggles. Uh, even as I, I think about the scholarship fund for Otto and Oliver, I think about the struggle of that. And, and, and I see the pain that many of us have faced even in the last year. And i got to tell you, there, there's, there's questions that come to this pastor's mind from time to time. Anybody with me there? <laughs> so sometimes my hope wavers. And when my hope begins to waver, when I'm stumped and I don't know where else to turn or what else to think, it always comes back to one thing, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is our hope. That's our only hope. <laughs> Can we move a little bit further down the passage? Our, ending, our reading ended with this simple phrase. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Comfort, encourage. It's the similar root word for paraclete, the word for the Holy Spirit, the comforter, this, this ideal of being called to each other's side, that, that God has called the Holy Spirit, that the role of the Holy Spirit is to be called to our side as the paraclete. And he uses this same word, Paul uses this same word for us. That, that God invites us to join his redemptive mission in this world. That God does not call us to be merely observers or spectators, but God calls us to be participants in this redemptive mission on this earth. You know, we have this community of believers, and, and the community is here to provide guidance and inspiration but I believe significantly the community allows us to experience the presence of God like no other community. His spirit in us. We are truly better when we're together. We need each other. You know, we're one week past Pentecost. And the point of Pentecost, or one of the points of Pentecost is this. God does not want holy places. God wants holy people. And when God has holy people, and holy people are together, something special happens. It's not simply about information. It's not simply about me conveying a lesson. You know, if it was about information and a lesson only, then we would be fine just to stick with live stream and you could watch this in your pajamas. 
in your living room. We're glad you're not watching it in your pajamas here. But that's not the point. Now, this, this lesson, this sermon, the singing has a value, but the value is much greater when it's together. <laughs> Those of you who've been gone and are now back, can you give me a testimony of how much better it is to be in this room hearing it than your living rooms? See, there's something about being together when we are full of the Spirit and God's presence is here and at work. See, biblical hope is not simply, I am going to wait for God. We're waiting for God. But biblical hope is sourced in this significant incarnational theology that Jesus was fully human and fully God, and God was incarnate in Jesus. The very nature of God was displayed. And he invites us to be full of his spirit in our, in our, in our humanity, incarnate the nature of God, show the nature of God. You understand that's one of the reasons in the Old Testament God says you will not make any images because God's call for us is be, to be the image that people see of our God. His spirit filling us and showing the world the nature of our God. And in doing so together, we experience God where two or three. See, one, two, there's more than two or three here, right? Where two or three are gathered, I will be in their midst. Can we put this all together? Biblical hope is not based on simply our emotions. Uh, biblical hope is not passive, but biblical hope moves us to action. In fact, in, in this passage, the, the call is to action. The, the call is to encourage one another. In other passages, Paul says that, that hopes, helps us stand firm. In other passages, it, it helps us move forward. As I thought about that, I thought, how, how do we apply this? How do we apply biblical hope? You know, we can talk about biblical hope, but how do we apply biblical hope? And I thought of this, hope is like a muscle. <laughs> See your muscles. Come on, give me your muscles. There we go. Hope is like a muscle. You know, I'm no expert on fitness. I do a lot of working out, and even in my fattest days, I'm a workout Maniac. I work out and run and do different things. But muscles are interesting. You realize that the more you use your muscles, the more you use your physical body, generally the stronger it grows. To, to grow a muscle, you, you, you need muscle hy hypertrophy. Did I say that right, Karen? Okay, thank you. In essence, this is when the muscle stretches and tears slightly, slight, suffers slight injury, and these tears then heal, these stretches heal, and muscle growth occurs. Think about hope. Hope is built on Jesus. Now, let me ask you something, and if you think this is true, this is an amen moment, okay? And we're going to say amen loud enough for those who join us on live stream. Can, can you guys do that for me? 
We believe that Jesus is still active in this world through the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe that, right? We, we, we believe that, that when we talk about the hope we have in Jesus, it's not based on some past tense, or oh, I've read about it, you know, I, I'm thankful that I've read about the resurrection, but this hope that I have in Jesus is not simply built on what I've read about, but it's also built on what I've experienced, that, that he's given me his Holy Spirit as a pledge, as a seal, and, and, and I see Christ at work through the Holy Spirit in my world. When we allow God to stretch us, to, to do things that aren't necessarily what we want to do, and we surround ourselves with the right people and feed our mind with the right nutrients, our hope can grow. It's not static. Uh, yesterday, I'm in the midst of this training, and so yesterday I'm, I'm running up the long, the only hill in, in Union County, right? That hill up 31, you know, by, up towards the, the, the high school, and, and I'm running up that, and, I, and I, I'm at the end, I, I, I've done already two, two and a half miles, and so I'm running, and I really want to stop or throw up. And my muscles are hurting, and my lungs are hurting, and my legs are hurting, but I pushed on because I believe that that will cause muscle growth. And the next time I'm running up that hill, I will not have been depleted by that run. I will have been strengthened by that run. Does that make sense? You understand that? Now, the reality is, physically, you know, our bodies deteriorate. And I'm well past my prime. And all God's people said, <laughs> well past my prime. But I would say this. The other day, I was running on the trail. And those of you who know how fast Dave Icorn runs, I blew by him. <laughs> I did. I blew right by him. He was coming the opposite direction. But our physical bodies are, are fading and deteriorating. And so no matter how much working out we do on our physical body, eventually they are going to fail on us. And all of us, unless Jesus comes in our lifetime, are going to die. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry I let you know. But that's the truth. These physical bodies are not meant for eternity. We can improve, but they're not meant for eternity. I, I don't believe that's God's desire with regard to our spiritual walk and our hope. I believe our hope should be built on a lifetime journey of growing faith, growing hope, growing love. And as we come on a Memorial Day Sunday, there's people that come to my mind that, that, that I, I've met those people, that, that as they age, they, their hope just grew, and as they approach death, their hope grew. My grandmother Moore's last words were goody, goody. <laughs> I, I, I think of Sharon Moore and seeing her in the emergency room or in ICU, and, and Sharon's last actions towards me were these, smiling. I think of Max Case. <laughs> you know, I went to see Max, and the last words Max said to me, hi, Reed, the last words Max said to me were, thank you, Pastor, for visiting me. <laughs> Such sweetness. See, I believe our hope 
can grow. Paul, near the end, and he's successful for the most part, following God's call, says, I'm pressing on toward the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus. In other words, he wasn't resting on the past, but he was still pressing forward. See, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's the possibility of growing that hope muscle. Maybe you're at the beginning of your journey. Maybe you're even trying to figure out what it means. Maybe you're not even sure if it's real. Malachi, talking about giving, talking about being stretched. There's, there's probably nothing more stretching than giving, right? To give your finances away. Maybe for giving, but giving is stretching. And Malachi is talking about giving. And, and, and typically the Bible doesn't say test God. But in Malachi, God says, test me. Try me. So, so maybe you're early in the journey. And, and, and maybe you're sensing these things that God's calling you to do. And, and, and my suggestion to you is try God. Testing. Give. Serve. Forgive. Maybe you've been on the journey a long time. Wherever you are, there's the opportunity to build your hope muscle. Maybe particularly in a year like this. So let me ask you, how's your hope? Where are you at? Can we go back to the muscle example? You know, I've been in shape before, better shape than I am now. And what, what led to being out of shape? Inactivity. Donuts, cookies, potato chips, and sitting on the couch, right? And sometimes that happens in our spiritual life. Instead of allowing God to continue to stretch us, we begin to withdraw, and we begin to eat the wrong things, and we begin to not do the things that God's called us to do. And so it's possible that, that maybe, maybe you've not walked away from faith, but if you were honest, and maybe particularly after this past year, Maybe you'd say, man, my hope's just not what it was five years ago. That, that muscle started to shrink a little bit. Has your hope grown? Seriously, where, where, where you've been last year, is your hope bigger this year than last year? Is God challenging you? Is he stretching you? That, that, that's how God grows our hope. Or one of the ways God grows our hope, our strength, our faith is stretching us. Is he calling you to give? To serve? To forgive? But what, what if the key to more hope in your life was just letting go of a past grudge? What, what, what if the key to greater hope in your life was just being willing to financially give, to be generous? What, what if the key to your hope in your life was simply to say, hey, Mara, I'll help you in the children's department. I'll serve at a door. I'll welcome. What, what if the key to your hope was just finding a place and serving? And are you consuming the right things? <laughs> I hate that part of it. I wish you could exercise and eat what you want, but you can't, right? It's true like that in our spiritual life as well, folks. Uh, you, you are what you eat. And, and spiritually, we are what we consume. 
And when we spend more time reading Facebook, if we spend more time on Instagram than in God's word, that's never healthy for our hope. If we surround ourselves with people who are negative and naysayers and, and not positive examples of what it means to follow Jesus, it'll affect our hope. If we don't watch the right media, you, you know, I, 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 I never thought I'd become this guy, but, but what I've determined is there's a lot of junk out there and it's affecting our hope. Now we want to give you space to respond. And I'm going to ask Ryan just to put on something quiet. And Our altars are always available. Uh, and, and what's the importance of an altar? Well, an altar causes us physically to do something, to respond. And, and so I have found in my life, when I physically respond, it, it ties to the spiritual and it cements what God's trying to do. And so, so maybe the truth is God's stretching you somehow and you just need to, you just need to come forward and say, God, here I am. <laughs> you know, I, my, my hope's not what it was and I, I want it to be better. And maybe, maybe this is that space. We have the cards and we put the, 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 the thing up there. Maybe there's something you want to communicate with the office. Maybe there's a prayer request. Maybe there's a hurt. Maybe there's somehow we can help you. Maybe there's a place of service or you're trying to find that place of service and you want to meet with one of us. We, we want to hear from you. And you can scan that and you can communicate with us. You can put anything on there and, and, and we'll keep it private. It won't broadcast it. You're surrounded. Can we bring the lights down? You're surrounded by people filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit is in this place. I believe God's manifest Spirit is in this place. And I believe God's Spirit is in this place indwelling those who are following Him wholeheartedly. <laughs> Maybe there's somebody sitting around you that you just want to lean over and say, Hey, can you pray with me? You know, those are special moments. I, as I say that, I, I can remember being at a, a children's camp. And an invitation was given. And Dylan was sitting on my lap. And he prayed the prayer. I didn't know he prayed the prayer. But after he got done, he leaned in my ear and said, Hey, Dad, I prayed that prayer. You are in a special place surrounded by people who love you, maybe you just need to grab somebody's hand and say, hey, I need you to pray with me. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're just going to take a couple minutes. Respond as God leads you. Father, I sense your presence. You are here. You're with your people. You're for your people. Lord, the truth is that in our world, in the direction things seem to be going at times, there doesn't seem to be a lot of reason to have hope. But our hope is not built on who's in the White House or who's our Congress person. Our hope is not built on a court system. Our hope is not built on our economic foundation. 
but our hope is in you. Where we're thankful for the freedoms we have here, the freedom to worship. But Lord, if all that was taken away, if tomorrow we didn't have those freedoms, we would still have hope because it's based on you. Where we're thankful, Lord, that we can read scripture and can be reminded that Jesus was dead and buried and you rose him from the dead. But Lord, I'm also thankful that you've placed people around me that in their life I have seen hope. I have seen it expressed in the way they live. And I'm also thankful, Lord, that you have worked in my life in ways that I can't deny that my God is able, that my God is active. So help us now, Lord, to exercise the right muscles, to eat the right things, to focus on who you are and what you want to do, to, to let go of our own plans and grab hold of yours. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, may, may we realize that as holy people, we have the great privilege of demonstrating your nature to people that aren't in this building right now. Lord, may we uh, be true to that call. As, as true as we've been to listening to your voice, may we, be, may we be obedient to expressing your nature to those we encounter, uh, not just today, but in the coming week. Now, Lord, I give you praise. I give you thanks. You're good all the time. You've blessed me in ways uh, that, that I don't deserve. It's all because of your grace. And Lord, we sit here in this room indebted to you because of the grace that you've poured out upon us. May we truly be people who express thanksgiving and joy because of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.